for just about everything for the outdoors. Go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Happy Monday, everybody. Hopefully, everybody's getting their week kicked off with a bang. I know I am because it's Monday and it's the start of a new week. I'm excited about it, just like I'm excited about this podcast. I'm always excited about these podcasts. I'm really excited about this one, too, because you and I have been talking about uh, new bows and the new Matthews that have been coming out, and you've been really kind of figuring out what you want to get a 28 inch axle axle to a 31 and a half and i've been kind of telling you what i have and what i like and you've been going back and forth so today just to start off we're talking to cody and jeremiah from salt lake city utah they are the store managers of wild arrow archery shop really well-known archery shop out out west you know in salt lake city just north of salt lake i believe and uh, this is yep. going to be episode one of a, of a multiple-part series of setting up bows and fitting bows, you know, to you and your, you know, whatever you want to buy and how to set it up. So what are you thinking? I know you, you and I were talking about you want to get a Matthews. You're going to get one now. So what have you landed yep. on after talking to these guys? Um, you know, I got to – I'm going to back up because I was – I wanted a 28, and I, I wanted the 28 first because I wanted, like, I went to Shields and I picked it up, and like, I just it just felt nice. I've never shot a short bow like that. I've I got into some Western hunting last year, so I wanted something a little bit lighter, more packable. You know, it, it fit on my backpack pretty pretty well. The, my Halon, the cam would hang down below, or else I'd have to strap it up so high. It was just it just kind of bonked me in the back of the head now and then but you know it was it was packability and weight I wanted a 28 but uh I didn't even get a chance to ask these guys the question they just started talking about the 
you know, the benefits and why people shoot a shorter bow versus a longer bow. And I mean, truth be told, this conversation swayed me. I filled out the order form and I actually ordered a 31 and a half as opposed to the 28 after this conversation. So, so you went with a 31 and a half VXR. Yeah. From Matthews. Yeah. VXR. VXR. Yep. And that's what I'm shooting as well. Yep. I shot the verdicts all fall. And then right around November when they launched the new VXR, they sent us, they gave us the option of what we wanted. And I went with a 31 and a half. Reason being for me yeah. is, you know, and like what Jeremiah and Cody said on this podcast, we'll get into it. But, you know, if you're shooting whitetails and strictly whitetails, you, you know, you could get away with a 28. And you can do it with elk and, you know, longer range mule deer and stuff like that. But, I was kind of leaning more on their side because the 28 is, is your form's got to be damn near perfect all the time. You know, it's, it's a little less forgiving. It can cause some more issues. And honestly, Chris got a TX five, um, a Matthews TX five. It came out with the verdicts. That's a 28 inch axle axle. And when I built that for him, I was paper tuning it and I just, it honestly just didn't feel like I had control of the bow, if that makes sense. It's, it was just really small. It, I, I don't know. It just did not fit me. And I found out that I'm more of a 30 to a 32-inch, possibly a 33-inch draw, but my wheelhouse is 30, 31 inches axle, axle. That's where it really fits me. You mean, yeah, you said 31-inch draw. That's not right, is it? No, I'm sorry. I, 31 inch okay. axle axle not draw length axle, sorry yeah axle axle yeah yep so that's where it really fits me well yeah and that's the thing is like i don't really you know there, it, there's ways to measure your draw length like when you go to cut your arrows or when you set your draw length but there's no real standard way to establish what size bow you should be shooting based on you know your height or that draw length it's a matter of really just what you're more comfortable with and and for me it was like I said it was that packability and the weight that I wanted to you know utilize and you know I'm primarily a deer hunter whitetail guy so it's tree stands ground blinds with maybe two to three western hunts a year if I'm lucky I just didn't want to compromise that that long distance accuracy with a shorter axle to axle but that that's kind of the I don't know. I, I guess I wish there was a way to factor in your draw length when deciding on what size bow to shoot. And I, I kind of thought about this after the fact, but in a way there is, and it has to do with the string angle once you're at full draw. Right. That's kind of what really was the the wake up call for me when they started talking about that. And like, you know, well, listeners will hear it when we get into it here, but that was like the, oh shit moment for me. Like, that makes a lot of sense. And between that and the long range accuracy, I was like, I, I got to get the longer bow. Well, and, and, and what really blew my mind is when they said that more Western hunters that they get come through the shop, you know, a lot of elk hunters, a lot of mule deer hunters, they, yep. they sacrifice the light and packability for accuracy at longer distances. Yep. That kind of blew my mind yep. a little bit because there's always this aura and, you know, I'm out east, so I, I I'm not I haven't been on many elk hunts and I haven't been you know, I've been on more mule deer hunts than anything when it comes to that and elk. But and I've always been running a camera as well, but 
that kind of blew my mind in the sense of like there's always this aura like they want to go light and fast. You feel like a lot of guys want to go light and and precise and not a, right. have a lot of stuff and a lot of bulkiness. So that was pretty cool to hear them say that as well just to just to see what everybody else is doing too. I mean, I don't know the western lifestyle out there, so that was cool to to hear that. Yeah, it was for sure and you know, after that conversation I went to the to the website, to the Matthews website and I didn't really know the specs on the bows, you know, to feel like I was making a very informed decision on that. I just wanted a short one strictly for the weight and strictly for the packability and that was that was what made up my my mind, but looking at the specs, it was literally only two tenths of a pound of difference between the two bows. Like the twenty eight is four point four ounces and the thirty one and a half is four point six. Yep. I mean two tenths of a pound is that's less than a mountain house meal. You know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> right. <nothing>. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So I guess in the grand scheme of things, like the weight really became less of a factor for me and then started focusing on their conversation about that accuracy and string angle. And I was like, yeah, this is, I was wrong. I admit it. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted it cause I was being stubborn and I liked the looks of it, but I think it would have cost me in the long run. So, yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I'm, I think you went with the right decision, honestly, because you said, yeah, you know, obviously you do more whitetail hunting than anything. And uh, yep. maybe you're just going to have to get a little stronger to, to hike that thing around the mountains, I guess. <laughs> oh, don't you worry about that. <laughs> uh, but, I'm your uh, accountability buddy. I'm, I'm the one in the gym right now. Yeah. But that's oh, going to change from what I hear. <laughs> so I do want to I do want to reiterate last podcast. We talked about accountability buddies. And ha- yep. we wanted the listeners to to reach out to us. I had a couple listeners the last two days write me on Facebook a direct message saying, "I bet you better not be drinking any pops." And <laughs> it was really cool to see that, you know. And it was I I have no idea who these people are. They're listeners. Um, there was one from Missouri, one from Illinois, and then a guy from Michigan as well. So they all reached out and said making sure you're not drinking any pop. And it is good to say that I am, well, now it's, we're recording this on the 8th, so I'm eight days dry right now. So I am good to go. <laughs> I am good to go. I No craving so far. We are good to go. And uh, the second resolution is going to be starting shortly, and that's working out. It, it's starting here shortly. I can there promise you, you that. So Good boy. Yep. Good but boy. I do, do want to, <laughs> yeah. I do want to transition a little bit just uh, before we do get into this podcast. This first part is going to be about fitting the bow to yourself, like axle to axle and draw length, draw weight, and what to look in a bow that you want. So that's going to be this first one. There's some really good information in this one. And then part two is going to be yep. more of setting that bow up. So we're going to really get into the nitty-gritty of D-loops, kisser buttons, peep sights, and brace heights, and dual cams, solo cams, timing the bow, paper tuning. So we're really going to dive into that next. But I, I really like building bows. It's been a passion of mine for a little while now, and I, and I love – I geek out talking to these guys about this. But So that's going to be this first part. Now to, to take a hard turn and transition to – Last podcast, you and I had talked about some differences that we wanted to, or changes we wanted to make for this upcoming year. And I haven't told you this yet. Yep. We had talked about the one acre and what I was going to do in there. Hang a tree stand. You said dig a hole, you know, put a, put a telephone pole on the ground or anything. 
And my idea was to move that box blind in there. And I made the decision this last week to do that. So 100% I'm doing that. I just have to wait for the for everything to freeze up, basically, so I can get the tractor in yeah. there. Um, we are all go on launch with everybody. I can get in there and do it. I just have to wait for everything to freeze up so I can do it. So I'm excited about that. I got a game plan, and then uh, we're going to go from there. So that's my plan nice. going forward You know, for the one acre this next year. Awesome, man. It's exciting. Especially because yep. I've, I've seen what you have on camera that survived, so it's, I know what's hanging out in there for you. Yeah, I, I got one. I, I, hope, uh, yep. I hope he's still there. He's, he's got a pretty heavy limp. Um, and like you, I think you were telling me when, you look, when I sent you the camera, it looked like his foot. I think it was his right foot yeah. or something like that. It didn't look like yeah, he was shot. It didn't shot. look like it was his leg or shot. Yeah, it wasn't. It didn't look like a joint or you know anything in his bones or muscle, or there was no injury wound or anything. So it was probably something in his in his hoof, to be honest with you. Yeah, like in between the in between his hooves. Yeah, so that's going to be exciting to see if he sticks around. He's a he's a two year old um, right now. I can almost guarantee you that. And uh, he's a he's a good buck. He's a good two year old, and can't wait to see if he's going to show up again next year to be a three-year-old and i'm gonna guess he's probably gonna be running around that pope and young the 130 mark and uh hopefully call that thing home i'm excited about that too so yeah but uh and do you have anything else to add man i know you're you're getting ready to head to ata tomorrow so when this airs yeah uh, you will already have been back from ata so we are kind of a little bit behind with this intro but you're getting ready to head out ata will be fun and i know you're gonna be getting a lot of information that we can uh, relay on the podcast here soon Yep. Yeah, that's the plan. I've I've got a lot of people to talk to, uh, potential partners with Base Map, and you know, hash out some content strategy for 2020 with some people. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna keep my ear to the ground too for uh, for podcast guests, and um, I know a couple of the ones that we have on deck are gonna be there. So I'm gonna try to meet up with them just to introduce myself and put a face to the name. But uh, short of that, man, I'm. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty pumped about the new bow. So uh, I've got a date with Bryant uh, to to get a new string ready to go and get an order in for a string to fit that that VXR. Perfect. You're gonna go platinums. Yep. Yeah, I'm gonna go platinums, and uh, I got the uh, I forget what they call it the green ambush. Yeah, green ambush. Ambush green. Yep. It's like yeah, it's like a it's like a hunter green, forest green. It's uh, the riser and the limbs are all the same color, that green, and I'm going to do like a buckskin, like a khaki buckskin with black servings and uh, kind of give it that that desert look. Yep. That'll look really I good. I don't know what I'm going to do for fletchings on arrows, though, because <laughs> I've never seen a buckskin fletching, so I don't know. That's going to be my, <laughs> my, uh, my downfall in this decision is my arrows aren't going to match the string, so go we'll see what uh if I if I can't decide, I usually go all white, three white, yeah. and then mark the cock feather and shows really good blood. I like that, but uh, I'm the same way. It's like I don't know. I think I'm more like a woman when it comes to trying to figure out what <laughs> color fletchings I yep. want on my arrows. <laughs> oh yeah, I hear you. I'm I'm right there with you. Yep. I don't know. I thought I thought about doing a base map color, like a green and white twist string, since the since the bow and the risers all like dark green. Get like a like a flow green, like a highlighter green with white. Yep. And then I can match the arrows to that, but I don't know. We'll see. 
on my VXR, I've got a charcoal riser and black limbs, I believe it was. And I went OD green, speckled, and uh, black speckled, I think. And then on my VXR, which is going to be the same as yours, green ambush, I went yep. green speckled with gunmetal speckled. And then the heat shrink, I went uh, orange. And it looks really cool. So oh, nice. Yeah, yeah that, that green looks sharp with the orange on it. <clears throat> yep. I've seen some of those. Well, maybe maybe by the time I get it, it'll be pushing turkey season. And maybe I'll just bring it up to you and you can put it together for me. There you go. Yeah, because we got a date to go on uh, Total Archer Challenge up here at Boyne, too. So you got to make it up yeah, here Yeah, we do. Yep. I'm definitely going to be there for that. Well, cool, man. I think uh, I think let's wrap this intro up. Let's get into this interview. We're already 16 minutes into this. I'm tired. You're tired. Yeah. you got a long yeah. weekend ahead of you. So. Yes, I do. All right, man. Well, uh, let's kick it over to this interview, and uh, I guess we'll talk to you after ATA. All right, buddy. Sounds good. And we are back today with another good episode of the Fall Podcast. And today I've got two guests on the other line, Jeremiah and Cody from Wild Arrow Archery. What's going on, fellas? How are you, man? Doing good, doing good. How is the weather out there where you are? You're out in Salt Lake, correct? Yeah, yep. Yeah, it's been good. We uh, we had some cold spells for a while, but uh, it's actually been pretty nice. So a little bit of sunshine out here now. Good deal, good deal. I know we. I was just looking at the weather here in Michigan. We're supposed to get seven inches of snow on Saturday, so not well, looking <laughs> not looking forward to it right now. <laughs> yeah, I almost wore shorts today. It's actually sunny, and I was like, man, I'm gonna go out and go fishing or something. There you go. There you go. <laughs> well, today, boys, I want to get into some bow setups. And, you know, talking about what you guys do with your archery shop. So first and foremost, I want to get your guys' little biography out of the way. Cody, can you start off and just kind of tell us who you are and, you know, what you do and how long you've been doing the the bow tech and and the the archery shop thing? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I I started back at Wild Arrow right out of high school um, is when I started at the shop. But I've been shooting ever since I can remember, I think I was like four when my dad, um, bought me my first little like fiberglass recurve suction cup kind of bow <laughs> hey, yep. um, and running around camp and, and just flinging that. And he, he's probably the biggest influence for me is cause I, we never went anywhere without shooting bows or taking our bows or camping without bows. And so bows have been in my life for, for quite a while. Um, and then in 2007, um, not to age myself, but, uh, in 2007, right out of high school, um, I, I didn't have a bunch of classes. So I had a lot of the time to just free time, um, my senior year. So I started bumming around the archery shop, hanging out and I wouldn't leave. And so I was there pretty much every day. And then Jeremiah decided, he's like, Hey, I need some help. Do you know how to fletch an arrow? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I do it with my dad all the time. <laughs> you know, my dad makes me fletch our arrows at home. So, that's how it started. I started doing the whole fletching arrows thing and then it just kind of escalated from there. And then, um, Jeremiah's like, well, you're here enough. I might as well just start paying you if you want to, if you want to have a job. So that's a great story, man. You're like, you're like the shop gnat that just won't go away then. Right. Oh, I did. No, I didn't. <laughs> I, 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 I lived it, eat, drank it, slept. I, everything was archery for me. And so I started here. Um, we worked this, we, we started growing the business, um, 
early on um, with some location moves and stuff like that. And then I decided that uh, I wanted to do something bigger and better. Um, and so I ended up getting a job with uh, with Hoyt Archery because um, they're just here in Salt Lake. Ar- in Salt Lake. So uh, I went there for a little bit, um, was able to work in the engineering department with, uh, with some of those engineers there at Hoyt who were freaking some of the best. Um, learned a whole bunch more. I thought I knew a little bit about, about archery until I got there. And then I learned even more. So, um, worked with them for a little while and then, uh, t- took another job opportunity in the outdoor industry, but outside of archery, believe it or not, I went and worked for, uh, Gunworks long range rifles in Wyoming. Yep. Okay. Uh, thought I would do, thought I would do something outside archery for, for fun, I guess. Um, loved that, had an awesome experience up there, learned a bunch of that stuff, but then ended up finding my way back to wild arrow. So, um, back here. And so, I mean, officially been around the wild arrow since 2007, all the way till now. And, um, back here full time doing the archery thing again. And it just feels like it's the place to be. So that's kind of, that's most of my background is archery, archery, archery. Nice, man. Well, Jeremiah, how about you, man? What's, uh, what's your story? Um, yeah, similar to Cody, man, I just, as a kid, there was just something that drew me to, to archery. Like I was just so, you know, so drawn to it. There was just something that, that was so interesting to me. And, and, um, so I started bow hunting kind of younger, you know, I grew up rifle hunting with my dad and, and, uh, but I wanted to become a bow hunter. So I kind of took that initiative and got myself into the sport and, and, uh, you know, I ended up, you know, when I graduated high school, I, I went down to, I moved down to Provo, Utah, and there was a shop down there called Jake's Archery. And uh, I walked in the door one day to get a, a part for a site. And they, uh, they had a sign on the door that said help wanted. And uh, I, next day I was showing up to work and uh, man, I just absolutely fell in love with the sport of archery. I worked at Jake's for about a year and a half. And then I took a job with a uh, sportsman's warehouse, um, which is, you know, a big nationwide chain, but I, I worked with them for a couple of years. And then, um, Jeff Duke, who is the original owner of wild arrow and, uh, D wild. I mean, anybody that's been in the archery game for a while knows who D is, uh, his sons, Logan and Rio, uh, they had started a shop up in Layton, Utah in 2003. And, uh, Jeff, you know, they, they were kind of going through some growing pains, trying to get the right guy involved. And, um, and Jeff had called me and offered me a job to come manage Wild Arrow. And so the fall of 2006, um, I came over to Wild Arrow and, and uh, you know, I've been doing that ever since. So, I mean, I've, I've had uh, a lot of years of experience and, and it's just something I've loved to do. And I've, you know, been pretty grateful that uh, I get to come to work every day doing something I enjoy. So that's awesome, man. I mean, for both you guys, it's it's kind of like what I do you know I'm a television producer and content creator and uh diehard you know I'm a I'm more of a whitetail guy just being out here in Michigan and only having really whitetails and turkeys to go after but I'm diehard with that but you know with the job I have I I got it straight out of off college and you know took an internship I went to school for the television side of things but you know I've been at it for seven years now and not one day it feels like work and it's just you know, it's just something I love. And the day it starts feeling like work, I think that might be the day that you might want to step away. I feel like, but hopefully it never comes to that. Yeah. Yeah. That's where that, that's where that rifle thing for me was there for a minute is I was at a point in my life where I was like, I just, I just needed to change, you know, just to see if the grass was really greener on the other side. Um, 
went and did the rifle stuff and it was fun. I mean, I'd had always been around rifles and, and, you know, kind of tactical type shooting around my family with my dad being in the military. And so I was like, I'm going to go see what this is all about. You know, maybe take a, take a step away from archery real quick and kind of just see, see where I want to be and what I want to do with my life. And it, it was fun. I really, really enjoyed it. We, we, we did some cool stuff there, but archery, I just came back to it. And now, now going away and coming back, that love just grew even more because I, I realized what, what it was and the opportunities I had, um, and, and where I wanted to be. So, I mean, that's awesome guys. You know, your stories are kind of the same and how it made you come to wild arrow and you guys have been there for quite a long time now and you know and you've you've been working on bows for I mean years now so I think you guys are totally the ones for this podcast and I'm glad I got a hold of you guys but first to kick it off I want to ask you a question you know if you guys were to have a guy or gal come into the shop and they wanted to get a new bow um, what would be the steps that you would take them through you know fitting them for a good bow figuring out what bow is the best for them and getting them set up with it so yeah you know we we kind of have a approach with our customers like we don't like to come across pushy so the the number one thing we usually ask a customer is where's their price range and where's their budget at and um you know we we tell all of our customers like our goal when when our customer walks in here is to try to sell them the very best equipment we can get them into but keep them comfortable with their price range and budget so they don't feel like they've they've walked out and spent too much but you know when we when we start working with that customer, we'll usually start him off with several bows, pretty close to his price range. And then, you know, we we want a guy to, especially if he's pretty inexperienced, we want him to try and shoot several different models. And, and we will let them try the higher end bows just to see if they can notice or feel some of the differences there. Um, but I would say price range is is one of our biggest factors that we start off a customer with. And then after that, the second probably the the more important thing to to the customers the feel of the bow and it's it's been pretty funny for all the years we've done this of, of just how many different opinions you get from different customers there and right. you, you know we'll have guys guys come in as a group like two or three guys at a time and they're all shooting bows and they're all standing around arguing of which bows the best and why and uh, <laughs> you know, that personal preference is is such a big factor for the customer to feel like they've made their decision of what they like and what feels comfortable to them. I got you. And now if you have a guy come in and he's like so prone on like, I need to shoot a Matthews or I need to shoot a Hoyt or are you trying to fit them to a, like a possible better fitting bow than what they've had? Or do you just want to, you know, if they're stuck on one thing, are you just like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll set you up with that and um, we'll go from there. Yeah. So what, what we try to do is like, obviously if a guy walks in the door and asks for a particular brand, um, you know, he, a lot of guys nowadays, especially when they're buying these higher end bows, seems like they're doing a lot of research. Like they come in kind of having a good idea of what they're looking for. But during the sale, like we always at least ask a customer if they want to try another model and, and kind of what I tell the customers, I go, you know, if you try a different particular brand of bow, if you don't like it, at least, you know, it, right. You know, if you don't even give that bow a shot and it's been kind of interesting of how many guys will come in with that mentality and will offer and say, Hey, would you like me to set, you know, brand, you know, a, B or C up and just try them. If you don't like it, great. Put it back on the shelf. You don't have to shoot it anymore, but at least give it an opportunity. And, and when we do that, um, 
it's been interesting to see if how many guys will try a bow and then shoot it and go, man, like I used to shoot a Hoyt and I hated it, but the new one, this new one feels great, you know? And so, yep. uh, you know, we try to give the guys the option, but if we offer that once to a customer and say, Hey, do you want to try this bow? And he says, no, we don't, we don't push that issue. Like if he's already made his mind up, he knows what bow he's kind of looking for. There's no sense of us, uh, taking a lot longer time with that customer pushing a product that he's no longer interested in. So we give them the option, but then, you know, af- after they either accept or decline, that's kind of when I go whatever direction the customer's thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think our, our biggest thing that we like to do is, is education as well throughout the sale. Like none of us here are commission based. So we're not, you know, sell the most expensive product we have. Like Jay said, it's all about what fits in their budget. But a lot of times, they maybe they shot like a, a a brand of bow, you know, five years ago and they had a bad experience. And so ever since then, they've just had a bad taste in their mouth. Well, every year they're coming out with new and different models and different things to make the bows better. And so if they're open to it, I just like to educate them on all the new models if they're open to, to try them so that they can maybe, maybe they'll learn something different and go, oh, man, that's not the same as as that felt five years ago. Right. And and there's a lot of differences to where I try to just read the customer, like, what are you going to use it for? Um, what are what are some of the key things that you look for in a bow? Is it is it how fast it is? Is it how smooth the bow feels? Is it how well the bow aims? Draw cycle, those sort of things, because sometimes sometimes a, a different brand might fit the categories that they're expecting out of their bow a little bit different than the bow they walked in here looking for. Right, and that that checklist when you with you asking them that and just kind of narrowing down. I mean, you're you in your head are starting to narrow down bows as well. Like, oh, he's not gonna like this Hoyt because of this, or he's not gonna like that Matthews because of this, but he's gonna like this Prime or something because of this. Like, I could I totally get that, and that's that's a it's a good way to start there. Um, you know, yeah. so so let's let's say that you do pick out a, a bow for for a guy or girl. And, you know, let's say they don't really know what their draw length is or anything like that. You know, how do you go through the process of figuring out what their draw length is and getting it set up for them? Um, so draw length, draw length is a simple method is we've got we've got a chart on our wall and, and we'll do we'll do the uh, the wingspan measurement um, just to get us just to get us in the ballpark. Uh, that measurement is we use the, the pointer finger. Um, both pointer fingers, wingspan to wingspan. We take that measurement and divide it by two and a half. And that'll get us really, really close to their draw length. And so then what we'll do is, you know, we've, pro- we've already had the conversation about kind of price range and we've picked out a couple bows to, to try. And so then we'll set all those bows up to that draw length that they measured. Um, and then from there, depending on if they know uh, a poundage, right? So if they don't know what poundage they're at say you know say they haven't had a bow before they're 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 a brand new shooter i'll try to set the bows poundage as low as i can um to start out with just to make sure that when they shoot the bow they have a good experience one they can pull it back comfortably they can anchor it comfortably um we can kind of work with their form and technique a little bit just to kind of make sure that you know their arm positions in the proper spot they're not going to hit their arm or do anything funky and with a short with a lower poundage bow that that tends to be a little bit easier i I don't want that first experience to be to be scary i don't want it to be like struggling to pull the bow back and then you know they they hit their arm on the first shot those sort of things can really discourage a new shooter so 
I'll start out poundage really, really low, set the draw length to where they measured, and then we'll just start shooting bows. Um, and as we're shooting the bows, we'll start helping them with their hand positioning, their 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 arm positioning, body positioning, that that form that form stuff as well. Um, and we'll kind of hit a couple key points as we're shooting the bows. And then as they're shooting the bows, um, they, uh, they'll start to develop a little bit different positioning as they're shooting because they're learning as we're going, right? And so the first time they pull a bow back might be a little bit different than the 10th time. And so I don't get too crazy with draw length right away. Um, we kind of let them shoot the bows. And then at the end, if they decided to like a bow, that's when I'll get into the, the fine tuning of the draw length because every bow is a little bit different um, on draw length. Some bows from the manufacturer, if you put them all, let's say at 28 inches, well, certain models will run maybe a little over 28. Some will be right at 28. Very rarely do I see them under. They're usually going to be at or over, but, um, the bow is going to vary draw length, um, quite a bit. So that we get into once they kind of pick the model that they, that they're leaning towards, if that makes sense. For sure. It does. Yeah. And, you know, with the draw length and the poundage, so the poundage, do you have a recommendation as far as like, let's say, you know, a hunter or, you know, just a shooter as well? Like what kind of poundage they should be, should they be able to pull the bow back while sitting down? Like really easy? Like how do you judge like what a poundage is for someone? You know, cause you get a lot of guys that are like, oh, I need to have a 75 to 80 pound or 90 pound limbs. And then you get right. some guys that are like, oh, I just need 60, 65 pounds. Like, how do you judge what is a good poundage for someone? I, I would say it's just based off the individual. You know, it's like I, tell, I get that question asked quite a bit of, of where, you know, where should I be? What's the poundage? And I say, what, what's comfortable to you? You know, I, I use the analogy. It's like, you know, when I go to the gym, there's guys that can bench press a lot more than I can. They're just stronger for that. But. I can pull a bow back a lot easier than they can. So I just tell guys like play to your strengths. If you can't pull 70 with the newer bows, you don't have to let the bow do the work, make it easy on you. If it's, you know, more comfortable. And, you know, we do see the guys that are, you know, trying to be what we call overachievers where the guys are tr- definitely pulling way too much draw weight from what they should be. Um, but I would say nowadays, like with these newer bows, 60 to 70 pounds is still probably the most common draw weight that we sell here. Um, and, you know, we do get a couple of special orders a year of guys wanting to go 80. And and those guys, they, they have the physical strength to pull it. And so, you know, if as long as a guy feels comfortable and he's not um, he's sacrificing, you know, any accuracy to pull his bow or excess movement, you know, like if a guy's having to arch his back or draw, you know, sky draw the bow, you know, he's not, he's not gaining anything by doing that. So, um, you know, heck, we, you know, we have plenty of women customers that are shooting and hunting with bows between 40 and 50 pounds, and they're very successful with that. So you don't really have to draw the weight as long as you can be accurate. So, yeah, don't sacrifice your accuracy well, for, for poundage. And, and meaning if you can only shoot five or six arrows, and that sixth arrow, you are just struggling to get it to go off because you're, as soon as you draw the bow, you come to anchor and you aim that bow. If you feel like you are rushed to have to shoot that shot because you just physically can't hold it anymore, it's too much. Turn it down. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so I determine it by 
you know, I watch the shooter shoot. If they're having to do, like Jeremiah said, if they have to sky draw or they have to do a bunch of body modifications to get that bow back, then I'm going to turn the poundage down. Ego, ego or not, right? I deal, I deal with that all the time. The guy's like, I need 80 pounds. And I'll tell him straight up, no, you don't. Like, you, you, you can't draw the bow correct for one. Two, you have to rush the shot because you can't hold the poundage. Because for draw weight, not to get into a rabbit hole, but th- there's let off, right, on these bows. And so the more poundage you're pulling, the more weight you're going to hold at the wall. So if you're trying to aim these bows, granted, these bows let off 85% on a lot of them nowadays. But if you're shooting 80 pounds, you're still really heavy on your let off. And so if you can't sit there, take your your controlled time, fire a shot in, you know, like a four to five second range, you're having to rush it as soon as you hit the wall. The poundage is too much. I'm going to turn it down or I'm going to recommend that they turn it down. Um, And so, yes. And also, like you like the point that you mentioned, sitting down, drawing from your knees, drawing in these weird adverse conditions. A lot of people don't think about that. Um, they don't think about, man, I, I'm, I'm going to be on a hillside. My feet aren't going to be level. I'm going to have one leg maybe higher than the next leg. Shoulder structure, your back, right? Standing flat ground, you can, you can, you can do some contortioning to get the bow back. But it's a lot harder to do that when you're on a hillside or in a tree stand for you guys you know, back east. Being able to draw that bow with less movement. What if, what if for the out west guys, a lot of times I get caught off guard and I'll be spot and stalking or, or, or slow walking through a, a set of pine trees and I have my backpack on. Well, now throwing my backpack on and drawing my bow is quite a bit different than just standing in a shop drawing a bow. Right. Yep. Right. You know, for me, like it's one thing if you're selling a, a setup to a new shooter, but a lot of guys that are just in for a new bow, you know, they, they're most likely not looking to change their arrow setup either. If, if I had to take a guess, um, maybe they are, but for me, if I have two dozen arrows sitting at home built and ready to go, I'm not going to spend another 200 bucks on, on more arrows. But, you know, for me, that would be my determining factor in draw weight is, you know, what's my arrow build? What's my arrow setup? And I don't, it's not so much the fact that I want to maintain, you know, arrow speed. It's, I want to maintain accuracy, like you just mentioned. And it's, you know, you can get the bows that are a range of 60 to 70 or 70 to 80. It's like, I mean, I was, when I shot a league a few years ago and I couldn't get arrows to group, I was missing, I was missing the, you know, the rings by a half an inch sometimes. So I was like, well, I'll just turn my draw weight down a couple pounds and my groups tightened up and I started getting 10 to 12 more points, you know, per shoot, just because I, I took some flex out of the arrow. I wasn't trying to I wasn't trying to send that arrow down as fast as I could or make it hit as hard as I possibly could, you know, maxing out the bow. So just another, in my mind, kind of a factor to consider if you are shopping for a new bow. Like if that arrow is not going to go where you want it to, how much weight you draw isn't really a factor. Right. Yeah. And that, you know, when we, when we sell a customer a new bow set up, like, you know, we ask them if they, if they have um, arrows that they'd like to use. And we try to make sure that that the arrow is going to be spined properly and we'll tune it. Like right. a guy comes in and buys a new bow and he has an arrow that he's currently using. We'll go back and we'll tune that bow to that customer's arrow. And, yeah. you know, tell guys, look, if you don't, if you don't have to replace them, then that's how, you know, let's make these work for you. Uh, yeah. But I would say majority of our customers, when they come in to buy a new bow, 
you know, if, if they're shooting like an older bow that's running a 400 spine shaft and their newer bow is just a lot faster and more aggressive and the 400 is not working, I, I don't have a lot of customers that give us pushback. If we come out and say, um, you know, hey, if you're, uh, you know, your bow in this area, they're not paper tuning so well, you can go try it and group it, kind of the exact same thing you just talked about. Go, if you're not happy with the downrange results, come back and we can look at, you know, plan B and whether we lower the poundage or, or go to a stiffer arrow. But most customers, when they come in to, and they're looking to, to buy a new bow setup, they want the absolute perfect arrow for that bow. So when we go through the tuning process, if we feel like that arrow is not right, most of our customers have been pretty open-minded to, to looking at new arrows or different options that would work better for them. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they weren't set up right in the first place, you know, maybe they, they just got some hand-me-down stuff from, from a relative or, or, or a used bow that, you know, Hey, this is a used bow. And, and this is, these are the arrows the guy gave me, right. You know, we're, we're, we're going to, to make sure that those spines of shaft match, you know, the poundage in the bow that they're going to shoot. And so we don't see it a ton. Um, but there has been plenty of times though, where someone will come in, they want a bow and we look at their bow and they're shooting 70 pounds. Maybe it's a taller guy and he's like 29 and a half to 30 inch draw length. And whoever, whoever recommended arrows to him in the first place, or maybe he misread a chart, his arrows are, yeah. are, are they're, they're a lower spine. Um, and they're not, they're not going to be correct, whether it's, you know, 60 pounds or 70 pounds, just based off the arrow spine cut length and his draw length. So, right. um, yeah, I mean, poundage is one thing we start there and make sure they're in a comfortable position. They can shoot at least 30 arrows, you know, do the sit down, draw in weird positions. And then, and then the arrow setup's definitely that down the road tuning that we, that we ensure as well. Um, okay. because you know, with your, you know, with, with that situation where you turn your poundage down and now your arrows, you know, seem to be grouping better or hitting more middle, that could be many factors. Yeah, it could be spine, but it also could be just the holding weight of the bow and you're aiming it better now, you know, not right. all necessarily just the spine. So there's, True. there's a ton of rabbit holes we could go down with, with the arrow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm all that, all that tech talk stuff. I mean, I wasn't trying to like discredit anything i was just kind of adding to the i don't know there's for me like i'm i'm i'm, I'm kind of recycling a bow every year to two years and i mean I, i'm not taking every arrow every time but if you keep up with some of the changes i mean it's that's all i was getting at it's easy to to adapt and not have to change everything but no i get it man yep you know so I just want to kind of recap a little bit because I'm gonna ch- I'm gonna switch gears a little bit on you guys here. So we've 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 gone through picking out a new bow, you know, and figuring out the draw length and the poundage. Um, now I want to kind of get into axle to axle because I think there's a lot of people out there that might not know what axle to axle actually means. So could you guys explain to us what axle to axle actually means and how it affects different bows and you know the I guess maybe the pros and maybe the cons to them. Yeah, so so axle to axle is going to be the measurement um, where your cam system is connected to the limbs, right? You've got that axle or or pin that goes through the limbs, through the cam, and, and kind of connects the whole system, right? So if you were to take a measurement, not not pulled back, the bow just sitting in its static state, right? If you were to measure from those axles to axles, that's that's going to be your axle axle measurement. Um, and they vary from 28 inches on some bows all the way up to 36, 37. You know, some of the target bows get all the way up into the 40s. Um, 
and axle to axle is, is one of those things where it's highly preferenced, um, depending on what that shooter's wanting to get out of their bow. Right now, just kind of, just kind of a, throwing it out there. If, if somebody wants to shoot more accurately and there, and, and accuracy is a, is a big deal to them, you know, and, and distance say, I want to be a good, really accurate shooter at maybe 50 yards and, and beyond. Um, Typically, a longer axle-axle bow should inherently stabilize and balance a little better, right? Just like a tightrope walker with a big, long pole trying to keep them steady, same thing with a bow. The longer the bow, naturally that bow is going to point and aim a little bit better. But at the same time, you sacrifice the, the, comp, the compactability, right? The, the maneuverability of a longer bow. So guys that are doing tree stand stuff or ground blinds type stuff or maybe their shot distance is 50 yards and in maybe they're hunting elk and they're usually in timber and their shots are a lot closer so stability isn't as big of a deal for that guy because to make a 40 yard shot i mean a 28 inch axle axle bow will aim plenty well for that um so axle axle is one of those things that what do you want to do with the bow how are you going to be using the bow? And then also the size of the person, right? If you're a really big guy, say you're a big guy, you're over six foot and your draw length's like 29 and a half plus, maybe you're up to 33. Then a short axle axle bow has a really steep string angle. And so that bow is really far. It's really hard to get your peep sight to your eye and to your anchor because that string is so far away from your face. Okay. Yep. I totally understand that. So, so what, oh, to, go ahead. no, I was just going to say to go back, you were saying with the street, the steep string angle, you know, with a 28 inch. So is it, is it a little better to have, like if he's, if you're a bigger guy with a longer draw, is that what you're saying? To yeah, have a yeah, shorter yeah. axle, axle bow? No, have a longer, have a taller, a taller bow. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. If you're, if you're a big guy, right. And, and you, you have a long draw length. The longer you pull a short axle axle, that sh- that triangle of the string gets gets shorter and steeper. So it's a lot harder. It's it's, it's shallower. So it's harder yep. for you to get your face. You have to dip your head down to the string because the string doesn't come up across your face. It goes out and away from your face. Right. And so it's harder for our longer axle axle guys uh, or longer draw length guys, bigger guys to shoot the short axle axle bows. They just don't fit proportionally to them. So the shorter, the short draw length guys, right? Say, say the shorter draw length guys, 29 and under, those guys can kind of do both. They, they can get away with, they can get away with a lot more axle axle stuff and, and getting the anchor proper hand positioning and, and nose contacts um, that, that we like to set up. And so that guy can shoot either one. He can get the short axle axle or the long axle to axle string angle for him is a lot easier to work with at that point they're just picking the bow for for what they're going to do with it right and then say a guy say a guy is going from a long axle axle bow and he's going to go down to a short axle axle bow maybe he's 29 inches and he's in the middle he can do whichever he chooses say he wants to go from a long axle axle bow one year to a short axle axle bow the next year to kind of accommodate that usually we're adding a half inch in draw length Okay, to make I see. Feel 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 similar, it, and it um, switches up your angle a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It lets that string just come back into your face a little bit, and then we'll usually 
shorten up the D loop to get your hand position still where it needs to be. Cause there's a lot to do with draw length, right? Just to kind of, just to kind of educate some people on draw length real quick too, along with this is once you change the draw length to where, you know, your measurement was maybe wingspan. Okay. Then you pick the axle axle bow that you're looking for. What we then do is make sure that string angle is a big deal to make sure that that's contacting your face very lightly to the front of your face, to the nose, right? I like the nose as a reference. So you get that extra reference point, not bury your nose into it, but just have that contact. And then where your hand positioning is on your face is another thing. I like the draw length to come to the front of my face and, and barely lightly touch, touch my nose. But then the release length, right? What type of release you're shooting, the loop length, that will finish off the rest of the draw length. Gotcha. That makes sense. There, yep. There's two parts to draw length, not just the draw length of the bow. It's also what release are you shooting? Is the release super long? Right. You have a bar on the release, uh, like a wrist strap or an index release. That's going to definitely change where your hand positioning is. And most people will, will, will comment, oh, my draw length's off. Well, your draw length's fine. It's just your release head is six inches long. So it's making the bow feel short where you're anchoring. And then now you have to pull the bow into your face to get your nose on it. Well, now your hand's off your, your jawbone and it's floating around. Um, so you know, to just sum it up, draw length and axle axle go hand in hand, but then just get an axle axle length that, that makes sense for what you're going to do out West. We typically sell longer axle axle bows. Most guys are shooting 50 yards and beyond at mule deer. Um, our shots just spot and stock most setups, you know, my shot average is 60 yards. So I tend to shoot a little bit longer axle axle bow that I may have to sacrifice the, the packability of it, but I know if I take that shot in a crosswind or on a hillside or maybe across the draw, that that bow is going to aim a little bit better for me, if so that makes sense. It definitely does. So, you know, for yeah. you guys, like going on an elk hunt, and you said you're going to sacrifice a little bit of packability, you know, with weight and everything, you would rather obviously have that, uh, be, you know, ability to shoot a little farther and be more accurate with it. Now, my question to you is like, where, where is a bow start getting to be a long axle to axle? Is it 32, 33, 34, or, you know, where, where's that kind of midpoint that's like an average and then it starts getting higher? What length is that? Yeah, you know, it's funny that it's kind of changed throughout the years. You know, it used to be that a long bow was considered 35, but, you know, we've watched the, these bows get shorter and shorter every year. So, you know, what we consider a long axle axle bow now is probably a 34-inch bow. And, and really, there's not too many guys that, that really want anything longer than that. You know, with these, if you can get a 34-inch axle axle bow with some of these larger cams they're running, um, it changes that string angle quite a bit. It's not the same string angle that we used to have. And so, you know, I'd say, you know, for us on average, that 33 to 34 inch bow is a pretty common axe to axle range that a lot of our customers are looking for. Um, but one of the things that's kind of a big variable with that is, is that string angle at full draw. And so kind of a good example of that is that like that, say that new Matthews, that VXR 31 and a half that just came out, even though it's rated a 31 and a half inch axle axle bow, it's got a really long riser. And if you were to measure, if you were to draw that bow back and measure it from the cams top to bottom at full draw, it, it's more like a 33, 33 and a half inch bow with the string angle that it creates. So, 
some of those numbers can be kind of skewed. Like, you know, just the axe to axle is a good representation to get a guy started. But with these bows, with these beyond parallel limbs, you got to take into account the, the, the riser length and then also the cam size to kind of, you know, figure out exactly what that bow is really the string angle is going to be representing at full jaw for a, for a guy. Is there, I mean, and this can vary on a lot of different shooters and, and different hunters and people and everything, but is there like a string angle that you really are looking for, like a certain degree or, you know, is there something that's like kind of, uh, you know, that apex where you want it to be, or is it just very so much as just, you're trying to find the best fit for each person? Yeah, I think, I think there is a, a kind of an optimal string angle based off the shooter, maybe their anchor position. Like, uh, you know, w- when a guy draws his bow back, if he has the right kind of the straight string angle, his head and jawbone sit natural and his jawbone's kind of flat to the ground. If the string angle is too steep, like too long of an axle axle and the string angle is steep, you'll see a, he'll have to kind of lean his head back and you'll see his jo- the front of his jawbone kind of tip up a little bit. Yep. And then it's opposite with too short of an axe to axle bow. Like if the string angle is too shallow and the string angle is too flat, you have to tilt their head too far forward. And you'll see the front of their jawbone tip down towards the ground. So, you know, there is kind of an optimal string angle. When you draw back, if you were to stand in a good, comfortable position, uh, stand straight as you can and just turn your head and look towards a target, you want that string angle to kind of fit perfectly right there. If you have to manipulate your head too far back or too far forward to get to that ink, that uh, anchor point, then that's probably not a good string angle for that particular shooter. Now, again, you know, it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. If you're, you know, a white tail, you know, we have some customers that go hunt white tails where, you know, if your average shots, you know, say 30 yards and under, you know, maybe being a little uncomfortable on your anchor position doesn't affect you as your, your accuracy as much. But, you know, what we see out West, especially with working with a lot of our customers, like Cody was mentioning is, you know, our average shot distance is a lot farther out here. And so, you know, I, I've always said for many years as I've done this, if you want to be a, a really successful Western States bow hunter, I, I feel that you need to be pretty confident, at least at 60 yards. And so, that's where these little details really matter and add up is, you know, the string angle that, you know, the axle axle, all those things, draw length to poundage. You know, if we're off, when we set up a customer in just any one of those categories, the, the end result usually from A to B is not going to be what our customer is looking for. Right. So I, I do have a question to step back here a second. If you do have a guy or gal, gal you know, if she's leaning in or he's leaning in or leaning back, and the string angle, like you said, could be too steep or, you know, it could be off a little bit. Are you going to go to the draw length first and say, well, the draw length's too short or too long? Or are you going to go to an axle, you know, change up the axle to axle a little bit? Yeah. So a couple factors. One, yeah, we're going to definitely verify draw length. Two, we're going to verify their form and technique. First, just how they're manipulating their hand to their face and where they're anchoring could be a huge part of that right and i and i see that a lot I, I see those mistakes a lot where somebody's just anchoring improperly either too high and and the first thing that someone's going to do is go oh well they're too high it, it's making their draw length look wrong i'm gonna i'm gonna change your draw length where if you just can manipulate them to get them to a better form position a lot of times the draw length's not the problem it's just how they're setting up okay um so we're gonna we're gonna get that done first right we're gonna get them in a good hand position to where they're they're standing nice and natural. They're on the bottom of their jawbone. 
Um, their head positioning is nice and natural. Like, like Jeremiah said, they're not leaning forward. They're not leaning backward. Check the release length. Um, I'm going to get anchor position dialed in first. Once that's dialed in, then I'll determine if draw length, yes, is too long or too short. And then I'll, I'll do that last. But I, I just want to make sure that one, they're actually anchoring the bow properly and not, and not giving a false reading. Um, I, I think everybody's so quick to change draw length without, without identifying, you know, those other things as well. Hand positioning, maybe it's their release, right? Like I said, they have a, a, a standard index release that comes with one of those stiff bars and it's super long. Okay. Um, so then they're anchoring to their jawbone. And the release is the length of the release is sticking out in front of their face. So then it makes it appear like the draw length is really short because their hands on their face, but the string's not touching their face. So then if, if you just go and make the draw length longer and it goes, Oh great. Now I'm on my face, but now their hand shifts too far backwards and they're off, you know, and their, their hands clear back in, you know, just floating around. So I, I try to make sure that anchor position one is correct. Body position is correct. Then I fine tune drawling um, and look at, okay, we want that string to come back to the front of their face without them having to lean their body forward or backwards or head forward or backwards. Then I determine draw length with loop length, making sure that's at a good spot with the release that they're shooting. So it, it kind of gets tricky to, to really narrow down draw length precisely because there's, you know, there's those three or four factors that play into it, not just, you know, draw length of what the bow measures. Right. And I know there's a lot of shooters out there too that are different in the sense that some guys like to have a little bend in their arm and some guys yep. like to have a straight arm. So I guess it's trying yep. to figure yep. out what's, what's a good feel there too, as well. Yes. Yes, for sure. There's a lot of guys that have a little bit different positioning. You look at some of the best shooters in the world and they all have a little bit different form and technique. But if you look at the baseline of their form and technique, a lot of them have pretty good head positioning. Their hand to their face is in a really good spot, right? It's locked in nice and snug to their face. And then the string is contacting tip of the nose, corner of the mouth type area without a bunch of face contact. Gotcha. Yeah, and that and that's something I see too with a lot of shooters. And I know we're coming up on time here on this part one. Um, this will be yeah. the last thing I want to to touch on, but is where the string is going to hit you in the face. I'm with you guys. I've always had the string touch the tip of my nose. I'm a shooter that shoots a kisser button as well. I have ever uh -huh. since my dad taught me way back when I was five years old. I've always been shooting a kisser button, so that's what I like. But I do see a lot of guys, especially guys with beards as well. I don't have a beard, but you know, they, they get that string that kind of comes down to that, you know, to their cheek and then it's in their beard. And I've actually done some research on that, that like that beard in your cheek, you know, having your, your muscle and everything in your cheek can get your string off kilter and won't be precise on every shot. Is that true? Do you see, you guys see a lot of that? Yeah, that's uh that's something that we fight quite often here, honestly. And, uh, you know, there's several factors you got to take into account with that. So kind of the first is the let off. So what's happening a lot with these newer bows that they have, um, you know, the higher let off, there's less string tension at full draw. And so face pressure can, will be affected a lot more, uh, a lot greater that way. And so 
you know, when we set up customers and trying to get to their proper anchor position, we want that string to kind of stop right at the front of their face. Like we don't want that the knock of the arrow to come too deep back into their cheek. Uh, but there's kind of an optimal spot. When we get a guy set up, there's a, if you kind of look at, you know, I do this with customers all the time when I'm explaining this is there's a trough that sits kind of below your cheekbone, but above your jawbone. And that's really where there's going to be, you want that, that string to kind of crease right there. If you get the crease of the arrow coming too down far low, if you anchor too low, your jawbone tends to sit on the side of the arrow shaft and against the side of the knock. And that base pressure, and you know, I, I see that a lot with guys with beards is where because they can't feel that string, they'll draw back and you'll see them bury their face in to kind of get that feel. So, you know, when we when we set a guy up to get the optimal anchor position, we we use what we call the one, two, three method. So the first is hand tucked behind the jawbone. Second is the the string on the front of the face or the very tip of the nose. And then the third is the peep sight, which is your visual reference. And so like what you mentioned with a kisser button, we, I would call that a fourth anchor position. So if you, if you have the first three that are, you know, the physical jawbone nose and peep sight, which is the third, then if there are customers that want to add the fourth anchor position, which is a kisser button, we'll do that. But as long as it's used properly, where I see a lot of issues with that when I'm working with customers is, as they rely so heavily on that kisser button that they'll push into it uh, too hard. And we kind of joke around. That it's like they're making a fish hook. Like when you pull your lip to the side that they're pushing their face so hard to feel that kisser button, they're creating that face pressure and that contact. And it's really hurting their downrange accuracy. So, you know, yeah, that's, that's a big factor for guys that we tend to fight is, is getting buried too deep or too hard into the string. Um, you know, we noticed with like when me and Cody are shooting our target bows, we prefer the the lower let offs, not only because we like higher hold weight, but it has the string has more tension at full draw. So for guys that are coming in looking at new bows, if they're going to the higher let off bows, which is kind of the trend, that's what everybody wants. The face pressure becomes a much more critical factor than it used to be even 10 years ago. So awesome. Well, there's a lot of information in this first part, and I know we're going to get into a, a, a second part, possibly a third part, because I want to get into the actually tuning the bow. So we're going to do that in part two. I want to thank you guys for coming on for this part one, and uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to the rest of the series here. Thank you very much, guys, and I'm going to have to go and, and write all this stuff down and listen to this podcast again so I can uh, remember it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, I mean, and then there's a lot of information to cover, too. I mean, we can review it. We can review it as necessary because our biggest goal is to educate customers, right? There's a lot of information out there, some of it good, some of it bad. Um, but there's a lot of the little steps that get missed. And so, you know, we just we just want to make sure that every step that they're doing in, in from purchasing the bow to getting the bow set up, you know, that we can go through every one of those details so, so it's done properly. Because once you do it properly, I've got a lot of shooters that buy a brand new bow and maybe they're brand new shooters. And they're already shooting at a level that I would never have expected because they're just so comfortable. The bow fits them so well um, and, and everything just works as, and it flows together. So Awesome. Well, thank you guys again very much. And, and like I said, we're going to do part two here soon and uh, we'll get that out to everybody as well. So thank you. You bet. Right on. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. Okay.